Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Tom. I'm pastor of our small groups and our care team at Rockbrook, and uh, it's just so good to be with you uh, this morning. And as Pastor Ryland mentioned, we are in this um, series called Tough Choices, and uh, today we're going to look at how to make godly decisions when we're faced with tough choices. You know, just as I was um, preparing for this message, I just thought about my lifetime all the choices I've had to make, you know, uh, who will I marry, and what job to take, and should I quit this job, or should I go, you know, as, a, as an iron worker, you know, sometimes you could jump from job to job, so should I go to this job, or that job, or uh, raising kids, um, all kinds of, of, of difficult choices and decisions to make in a lifetime. My daughter, you know, she's, um, uh, she's going through college, and I just thought about her life, and she's making some tough choices about school and what to do next and what she wants to do. And my wife, she's, um, you know, works at a company and they're merging and a lot of tough choices at at work for her. And um, I read the prayer request here at Rockbrook. And a lot of you are going through a lot of the same things, you know, uh, who should I marry? Where should I work? Should I quit? Should I not quit? Should we do counseling or you know, we need help and just all these things going on. And um, I'm hoping that today's message will help you to make wise decisions when you're faced with those kinds of choices. So today, we're going to look at six practical steps that you can use to help make wise decisions. And then I have six questions that we can ask uh, with every, every one of these steps. You know, I love, I love to just get practical here, and so I would just encourage you, you know, to, to uh, keep this outline with you. You know, typically we say, hey, you know, we're going to give you five points. Which one is God speaking to you on? And just take that next step. Well, you're going to use all of these steps uh, today, and, um, and I just want to congratulate you. You know, and actually, you had a choice this morning. You know, am I going to come to church or not? And you made the choice to be here, so... Here we go. We're going to look at the six steps on how to make wise decisions. Step one, we go to God first. We go to God first. You know, right out of the gate, when trying to make a godly decision, a wise decision, we're going to go to God first. And when we do that, that's actually an act of worship. We're saying, okay, God, before I go to anyone else, before I look at anything else, I'm going to you first. That's an act of worship. Look at this verse, Proverbs 3, 4 through 6. Um, Oh, I'm just going to mention, I'm going to use a lot of verses out of Proverbs. And just so you know, the book of Proverbs, it's a book of wisdom. And so the book of Proverbs can help us to navigate a lot of life issues and especially how to make wise choices. So I'd encourage you to take a look at the book of Proverbs. But Proverbs 3, 4 through 6, it says, if you want favor with both God and man, and I don't know about you, but I want favor with God and man, and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. In everything you do, put God first, 
and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Um, I want success. And uh, I don't know um, about you, but I've made some decisions that seemed good at the time, but in retrospect, looking back, probably wasn't a good decision. How many of you have done that? I mean, we've all done that. Let's look at this verse, Proverbs 28, 26. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. We all want to be safe. We want to be kept safe. It says a man is foolish to trust in his own wisdom. But if he trusts in God's wisdom, he's going to be safe. So if we're going to go to God first, what does that look like? Again, I like to be really practical here. And I know even as a new believer, I was like, okay, pastor, you're telling me to go to God first. How do I do that? What's that look like? How do I interact with God, God the creator, God of the universe? Well, the first way you interact with God is through the Bible. And Pastor Ryland talked about this in week one of this series. And he, um, he told us that, you know, a lot of the times... The Bible talks very, or speaks very clearly on things that we're wrestling with. You know, I'm trying to make a tough choice. I can go to the Bible, and it just, it clearly spells it out. This is what you should do in this situation. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out. And it helps us to do what is right. So the Bible is our guidebook. But I'll admit, sometimes the Bible isn't specifically clear on the decision I'm trying to make. For instance, when um, I was going to get married, I didn't open it up and it said, Tom, you need to marry Jen. Right? It, It doesn't do that. But it does tell us what God expects of a man, what God expects of a woman, what God expects of a husband, and what God expects of a wife. And so I can take that information and say, okay, is this person that I'm about to marry, do they live by these same principles? Do they have these um, godly characteristics in their life? And so it can help me in my decision-making. So we go, to, we go to the Word, we go to the Bible, and we ask, what does it say? The second way we can interact with God is through prayer. You know, I see so many Christians at a loss. And they're just kind of flip-flopping around, and they're, they're wandering around with no direction. And I think that's because they haven't asked God for direction. Let's look at this. 1 John 5.14, it says, this is the confidence, so we can have confidence This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, this is why reading the Bible is so important, because when we read the Bible, we discover what God's will is, and then I can align my prayer according to God's will. He hears me, and then He helps me. So you say, God, I read your word. This is what your word says, but I need help. And here's the specifics of my situation, Lord. And you just lay out the details for him. You tell him all the details. You know, prayer is just simply talking to God. You know, and like I mentioned before, before you go run to your friends, like, you know, you'd go to them and have a conversation, say, hey, this is what's going on. Can you help me out? Do that same thing with God, but do it with him first through prayer. 
I like this Psalm 25, 4-5. It says, Show me the path where I should go, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to walk. Lead me. The psalmist, he's doing that. He's saying, okay, God, I don't know what to do. Point out the right road. Show me where to go. And so if you don't know what to pray, you've got a tough choice, and you don't know what to pray right now, pray this verse. Pray this verse and say, God, lead me down the right path. Show me where to walk. Lead me. The third way we interact with God in our decision-making is through the Holy Spirit. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, something very incredible happens. God places His Holy Spirit inside of us. And then let's look what happens. It says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Did you hear that? He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit plays an incredible role in the believer's life. You know, it says the Holy Spirit prays for us all the time. You know, even when you're not praying, the Holy Spirit is praying to God on your behalf. The Holy Spirit gives us conviction. You know, I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times where I'm sitting out here and I'm listening to Pastor Ryland um, give a message, and I'm, I'm like convicted. I'm like, okay, Tom, you need to do this. That's the Holy Spirit. God is using... God is using God's word, and he's saying, okay, Tom, this, this is what you need to do. And, and then the, it says, the Bible says the Holy Spirit gives us counsel, and he gives us direction, just like the verse said. He'll guide us. You know, all of God, all of God wants to be a part of our decision-making. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. Let's look at this next verse, Colossians 3.15. It says, the peace that Christ gives us, gives is to guide you in the decisions you make. Jesus Christ wants to guide us in the decisions we make. We need all of God to be a part of our tough uh, decision making. You know, when we got tough choices to make, we want to make good, godly decisions, sound decisions. We want all of God to be a part of that. So the first thing you should do is you should go to God first. And at step one, the first question we want to ask here is what does God want? What does God want? Asking this question saves us a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of heartache. If we just go to, go to him first and say, okay, God, what is it you want? Now, the second step to making wise decisions is to get the facts. So we want to get the facts. Have you noticed here, especially lately, Immediately following an event, all these people are given their opinions and they have assumptions on this, on what's happened. And then as the facts start to roll out, we find out, wow, they were way off base. Look what Proverbs tells us. It says um, in Proverbs 13, 16, all who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly. So we want to get the facts. Because facts matter. Facts lead us to the truth. 
You know, fools they say things as if they're absolute fact, but once they're fact-checked, we find out that they're not so smart. They're foolish. Proverbs 18:13. he says, He who answers before he hears the facts, it is folly and shame to his name. You know, both of these verses I've just read have used this term folly. What does folly mean? Well, it means lack of good sense or normal prudence and foresight. A criminally or tragically foolish action or conduct. A foolish act or idea. So it's foolish to, de to decide before knowing the facts. You know, this is a reason why a lot of businesses fail, especially new businesses. You know, a lot of people have a great idea, but they fail to gather the facts before launching their idea. You know, I tried starting a, a printing business when I was in my 20s. And um, I had been doing, been doing the printing out of my garage, out of my home. And then an unpredictable circumstance forced me to have to decide to shut down the business or move to a commercial location. Well, without doing any fact-finding, I based my decision on what I was going to do on trying to find cheap rent. So I looked for a commercial place that just had cheap rent. So I move into this place, and then I found out, oh, you've got to have the fire department come and check to see if you've, you're within codes. And so next thing I know, I'm tearing down walls, and I'm having to rebuild walls that are more fire-resistant. I'm having to buy containers to store my, my ink and my chemicals in. I have to put in an exhaust fan. I have to put in fire extinguishers. I have to redo the electricity. I mean, it started, it started costing me a lot of money. And if I'd done my research, if I'd looked for the facts and found those out, I probably would have done things a little bit differently. That's why a lot of marriages fail. You know, it's uneducated enthusiasm. You know, I'm in love. The facts don't matter. You know, never mind the person I'm in love with. Uh, they're not committed. Uh, they can't hold a job. They're a slob. They're critical. They're angry. They're moody. You know, here's some other things to consider. Have they been divorced? Do they have kids? So am I going to be a step-parent? You know, my wife and I were in that situation. I've, I've been divorced, and I brought a child into our marriage. Man, that was a struggle. Those are facts that you need to know before marrying somebody. You know, do they have an addiction? What about their in-laws? You know, those are facts that you want to know before you make a tough decision like that. I'm in love isn't good enough. You need to consider the facts. So what's the question we need to ask at step two of the decision-making process? The question is, what do I need to know? What do I need to know? What are the facts? You know, because the facts lead us to the truth, and the truth turns tough decisions into wise decisions, into godly decisions. And this question, what do I need to know, leads us right into step three. Step three is ask for advice. Ask for advice. Who can I talk to that's been through this? Who can I talk to that has some professional expertise in, in this area? Is there a book, an organization, a seminar, an online resource that can help me with this decision that I'm about to make? And then after we gather all the facts together, you should present them to somebody who knows you 
really well. Someone who knows your strengths, knows your weaknesses, and you tell them, I want your honest opinion. What do you think about this? And not only do you want them to look at the facts, you want them to consider who you are. Who you are. Proverbs 24.6 says, Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. You know, there is no doubt that you can gain wisdom from your own experience, but wise people learn from the experiences of other, other people. They learn from the success and failures of other people. Wise people don't start from square one. They start from where most people have left off because they ask for advice. They save themselves a lot of time. You know, it's, it's wise to learn from experience. It's wiser to learn from the experience of others. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't have time to make all the mistakes myself. You know? So you learn from the mistakes of others. You learn to ask advice. And look, wise people learn, learn the art of asking good questions. Questions like, what would you have done different? Uh, what, what do you believe is the key to your success? What's the one key to your success? Uh, what one thing would you change right now? And, and this is a really good one. Who do you get your advice from? Look at what the Bible says, Proverbs 15, 22. It says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. I want success. You know, we often would rather appear wise than be wise. We'd rather appear like we know what we're doing than be honest and admit, look, I just don't know. And, that's, and, and here's the question we ask at this step. Who can help me? Who can help me? You know, I, I have noticed that humility and wisdom go together. You know, arrogant people tend to be the most foolish people because they say, hey, look, I got it all together. I don't need help. But wise people are the humblest people because they say, look, I don't have all the answers. I need help. Can you help me? So step three, ask for advice. And the question we ask is, who can help me? What person do I know that's been through this? What person do I know that has professional experience in this area? Step four, we want to calculate the cost. And we want to calculate the cost in terms of time. You know, what's it going to cost me in time? What's it going to cost me financially? What's this decision going to cost me physically, mentally, emotionally? And I think one of the most important questions we need to ask when making a tough decision, what's this going to cost me relationally? Every decision we make has a ripple effect. Every decision has a price tag on it. Proverbs 20.25 says, It's a trap for a man to decide something rashly to only later consider his vows. You know, this is saying it's a trap to decide before deliberating, to commit before considering. You know, you got to calculate the cost. Is there any, you know, if there is anything that I want to say to you today is, is, is this. It's okay to say to people, look, I'll get back with you. Don't be pressured into making a decision. Say, I want to get back with you. I want to go to God first. I want to get the facts, and I want to get some advice, and I'll get back with you. Refuse to be pressured. 
Because the Bible says it's a trap for a man to dedicate something and later consider what he committed to. You know, here's a parent tip. You know, don't let your kids pressure you into a decision. Right? Yeah. You know. I mean, they'll just come after you. I want to do this. Let's do this. I want to do this. And then you finally just get worn down. You say, okay, we'll do it. And then later you back out. You know what that causes? That causes resentment in, in your child, and it causes them to not trust your word. Here's a law of life. It's always easier to get into something than it is to get out. It's easier to get into debt than to get out of debt. It's easier to get into a relationship than to get out of a relationship. It's easier to fill your schedule than to fulfill your schedule. You've got to calculate the cost. And Jesus, in Luke 14, he told two stories. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Only first sit down and consider, consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. So Jesus said no builder starts to build without a budget. And he said no king goes to war without knowing how many troops he has. So here's the question we ask at step four. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? What's it going to cost me in time? What's it going to cost me mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, and relationally? So step four, we calculate the cost and ask, is it worth it? Now, along with that comes step five. At step five, we prepare for problems. You know, I believe this is one of the most overlooked steps in these principles. Um, there's a small group pastor that I like to listen to and learn from. His name's Mark Howell. And um, what I like about him is he takes all kinds of different small group models that churches uses, and he evaluates those. And um, one of the things that he strongly urges pastors to consider, he said, hey, when you pick a model, I want you to know there is problems with every model. And what you need to know, what you need to figure out as a pastor is, are you capable and are you willing to manage those problems when they arise? Proverbs 27, 12 says, A sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. So you need to know the problems that could arise before you move forward on your decision. You need to be willing to manage and deal with those problems when they arise. You know, it's wise to prepare for problems because you will have problems. You know, you can try to ignore problems, but I'm going to tell you right now, problems won't ignore you. The Bible says, look out in advance, and at step five, we ask the question, what can go wrong? What can go wrong? You know, and the key to this, again, is knowing the problem so you can determine whether you have the skill sets 
the personality, the character to manage those kinds of problems when they arise. And it may cause you to choose to go a different, a different route. And um, I don't want you to confuse with preparing for problems with trying to solve all of the problems in advance. You know, many people get stuck and they get paralyzed because they're trying to solve all of the problems in advance. They want guaranteed success before they get into the water. And it just doesn't work that way. You know, uh, you're not God. Uh, you're not going to know all of the problems. And you're not going to be able to solve all of the problems. In fact, that's why you need help. That's why we go to God first. And that's why we seek advice from other, other, from other people. You know, one problem that you can bank on, there's probably going to be an unforeseeable problem. And that's, what, again, why we start, start with God. You know, making tough decisions, it takes faith. And the Bible says, without faith, it's, in, it's impossible to please God. You know, Jesus told P Peter to get out of the boat and to walk on water. And Peter made a decision based on faith to get out of the boat and walk on water. You know, answers to a lot of problems start coming once you start moving. We plan for problems and we ask what can go wrong. And that leads you to step six. Step six is I need to face my fears. Face my fears. You know, the root of indecision and indecisiveness is fear. Fear keeps us from making decisions, from stepping out of the boat and walking on the water. You know, but look, Peter stepped out of the boat in faith, but what happened to Peter, right? Fear crept in. And once fear crept in, what happened to Peter? He started to sink. You know, God came to Moses and he said, Moses, I want you to represent my people. And Moses said, God, I can't talk. I stutter. And God said, Moses, who made God's mouth? He came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want to use you. And Abraham said, I'm too old. He came to Jeremiah and Jeremiah said, I'm too young. Gideon said, hey, you got the wrong guy. You know, we, we tend to go through steps one through five, and we know what we should do, but then fear sets in and we start to make all kinds of excuses. You know, the timing's not right. I'm not educated enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. What if I fail? What if I make a mistake? Well, let's look at this verse, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 11.4. It says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. You know, isn't that so true? You know, we want things to be perfect before we make a decision. But here's a truth from God's Word. This world is broken. It's not a perfect world. The only perfect thing that we have is our Lord. That's why we go to Him first. You know, perfectionism produces procrastination. Perfectionism paralyzes you. And God says, don't wait for perfect conditions. They're not going to come. You have to make wise decisions and then you have to move on them. Make the decision say, okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to face my fears. You know what the antidote to faith is, or fear is? Faith. faith, right. And another word for faith is trust. Look at this verse, Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. You know, that's an awesome verse. You trust in God. You start moving. You know, we started uh, step one 
with going to God first. And, and I said, that's an act of worship. Well, we end here in step six with worship. Because when we step out in faith, when we trust God, that is, that is an act of worship. That's worship. We're giving God all of the glory. We're trusting in Him. You know, it starts with God and it ends with Him. You know, you don't need a lot of faith. You just need a little faith. And the Bible says if you have a little faith, you can move mountains. You know, a little faith in a big God produces big results. And the question we ask at step six is, what decision do I need to move forward on? What decision do I need to move forward on? You know, um, you know what I've discovered as a pastor? That when I'm doing counseling with people and I'm asking good questions, I realize they already know the answer. They know what they need to do. Fear is set in. They're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid that what it's going to cost them in their time, their relationships, emotionally, mentally, physically, and what they really need is just me to say, okay, what can I do to help you to take this next step? What can I do? How can I walk alongside you to help you to take this next step and to move on this decision, to move on what you already know? You know, the solution is worship. I tell my kids this all the time. It's worship over worry. Faith over fear. What is it you know you need to do and just step out on faith and move forward and do it? You know, questions like, should I marry? Should I have a baby? Should I go to school? Should we get counseling? Should I change jobs? Should I join a church? Should I become a Christian? You know, what decision are you trying to make today? What are you undecided on today? You know, you've been wavering back and forth. You're in this decision to dilemma. What do you do? Follow these steps that we talked about today. You know, step one, seek God first and ask the question, God, what do you want me to do? Step two, get the facts. What do I need to know? And step three, you ask for advice. Who can help me? And at step five, prepare for the problems and ask what could go wrong. And step six, you face your fears. And you ask, okay, what decision do I need to move forward on? You know, the truth is you are the sum total of your choices. Your choices determine your character. Your decisions determine your destiny. And God has given you the freedom to choose. He's not going to force you to make any decision. But he has shown us the way on how to make godly decisions, wise decisions. Decisions that bring glory and honor to him. Let's pray together. Father God, you are our mighty counselor. And Father, I just want to start right off by just asking for forgiveness for all the times that we have spent going our own way, choosing worry over worship. Father, right now, right here, we're going to lay our worries, lay our fears at your feet, and we're going to choose to worship you to put our faith in you to trust you. Our prayer, Lord, is show us the path we should go. Point out the right road for us to walk. Father God, lead us. 
Father, we also recognize today that you have given us all we need to make wise decisions. You've given us your word, the power of prayer, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we also recognize that we have access to the greatest network of people on the planet, the church. And Father, I ask that you would send us the right godly people at the right time to give us the advice we need to make wise decisions. And Father, I pray that you would give the people here at Rockbrook supernatural wisdom and revelation. And may we be used by you to give good, wise, sound, godly advice to one another. And Father, for those of us that already know what we should do, but are paralyzed by our fear, our prayer is that you would help us to overcome our unbelief and step out in faith. Father, it's our prayer that we would live a life that honors and glorifies you by the decisions we make. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.